Happy Thursday, everybody. I love today's interview. It's with my friend, Tony Newhoff. You are going to love this conversation. One of the conversations that I have with other leaders on a consistent basis is finding the right people for their team. I am constantly asked, do you know any great youth people, worship people, executive, senior pastors, kids pastors, you name it, I get asked these questions. You probably find yourself in a similar conversation. That's why I want you to know about my friends, Matt Steen and Todd Rhodes. These are the co-founders of Chemistry Staffing. Chemistry is focused on helping churches find healthy, long-term fits for their ministry positions. They work with churches like yours of all sizes to develop a deep understanding of your church's theology and culture, its unique personality, and then help you to find the person with the skills and ability, but that will fit your the chemistry of your church. Uh, if you're looking for your next ministry teammate, chemistry staffing is the way to go. What I want you to do is to drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary because they have got this great tool that they put together. It's called Church Staffing's Restructuring Playbook. We all know that coming out of 2020 and in here now in 2021 and look to the future, we're all thinking about our teams and wondering what does the next step look like? Well, this resource, this restructuring playbook will help you wrestle through those issues. So drop by today, chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary. And while you're there, book a time for a free 30 minute consult with their team on your next hire for your team. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in today. I am super excited for today's podcast. This is one of those ones where it's like the real world connects with my podcast, an actual real life friend I get to have on uh, the show today, Carrie Newhoff. You're going to be so blessed by today's conversation. Carrie uh, and Tony, you might know, are friends of, of ours. They are were founders of Connexus Church. Tony uh, is has an extensive background of both a lawyer, pharmacist, church leader. She has a unique perspective on so many things, and I'm excited to have her on the show. Out of her practice in family. Law. Tony uh, specializes in helping people leave their unhappiness behind uh, and not their marriages. So I just love this. I think it's a great conversation for us as church leaders. We are wrestling with this whole idea of how do we help people when they're in the midst of kind of marital problems. This is like a common thing we run into all the time. So Tony, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Hey, Rich. It's my honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, I'm so honored that you would take some time out. And like I say, it's kind of fun to connect with someone that I know in the real world. So many times I'm talking to church leaders who I only know online. So this is this is a great thing. Tony, why don't we start, kind of give us a bit of your background. Tell us a bit of the, the Tony Newhoff story. Sure. Uh, some people may have heard of me already through Carrie. Uh, you know, Carrie's quite involved on social. So, uh, so people usually say, oh yeah, I feel like I know you already, but we've never met. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I can see that for sure. <laughs> you're you're the person who who uh, is on the other side of the green egg. He's making it, yes. and then you're sitting down with him and eating it. <laughs> I am the beneficiary. It, it, it is great. the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's good. <laughs> That's fun. 
So yeah, Rich, um, Carrie and I met in law school and uh, that was many years ago. We've now been married um, more than 30 years and uh, we have uh, two grown sons. Uh, we live just north of Toronto. And as you said, we did found um, Connexus Church several years ago. And uh, we just love our church community here. Uh, and uh, I have an active professional life. So uh, mm-hmm. over the years, I practiced as a lawyer. Uh, my my other professional licenses as a pharmacist. And, and actually, I've, I practiced both over the years. But I spent the last several years of my career working as a divorce attorney, or as we would say in Canada, a family lawyer. And uh, so at this point, I'm not practicing family law anymore, but I am working as a mediator, family law mediator. Okay. Well, the thing uh, for folks that haven't journeyed with you before, uh, what you're going to find out, people that are listening in, is Tony is such a uh, wealth of knowledge, uh, but you're also so wise. And I just um, love your relationship with Christ and how you have weaved that into your professional life. I think there's so much we can learn. I think particularly in this area, this is why I think this is unique for us. I think a lot of times, um, in fact, even just yesterday, my wife and I were talking about friends of ours who are in the midst of going through a divorce. And you know, our engagement with those friends have, have really been through you know, as pastors, as leaders on, on that side. And I thought, wow, this is a fascinating conversation to engage with, uh, with a, with someone who's, who's practice on the law side to really help understand, help us kind of think through how do we help people that are in serious marriage struggles? What, what can we do to support them? I wonder if we could start with that when you, uh, over the years of engaging with people, what would you say to pastors who are listening in kind of from your vantage point, which is a, a slightly different vantage point around thinking about people who are engaging, um, you know, in, in, in some serious struggles, what would some of your your thoughts or how, how do maybe we start with you know what is you know kind of what's happening on the divorce front what is what's going on in the, in the world from your vantage point on the kind of legal side of the equation hmm. yeah on on the legal side rich right now uh, with the impacts of the pandemic I think we we don't exactly know the impact on marriages and and the divorce rate yet mm-hmm. Uh Early indications were that the divorce rate was going up, and that was based on just an increased number of inquiries to law offices about Mm. separating and divorce. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, um, there has been a study, I saw one out of um, Bowling Green University, where they're suggesting that the divorce rate has actually gone down. Um, But the thing is, we don't know yet whether people are hanging on and not taking the steps towards separating because, you know, maybe there's financial strain or uh, we've got lockdown orders, you know, there are other things going on. So time will tell what what exactly the impact is on the, on the divorce rate. But we do know that there are families who are seriously struggling under the strain of what, the impacts of the pandemic, um, that mm-hmm. being in closer so quarters, true. having fewer social options, you know, a big change in lifestyle for most people. Um, has all added up to to more tension and um, serious problems in some cases. So, um, so Rich, shall I go on and and just yeah. talk about what leaders 
can do to try to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe uh, I think maybe an interesting way to think about it would be from your perspective, what would be some of the pitfalls or kind of problems that you see? Uh, maybe it's pastoral leaders, or maybe it's just other leaders in the lives of people who are struggling at this point. Uh, what are some of the kind of the bumps along the road, things that we uh, we want to avoid? We want to hey, not, not contribute to make this thing worse mm-hmm. than it is. How do we avoid some of that, um, you know, really accelerating or, or causing more damage in, you know, in marriages? What would be some of those things you'd think about? Hmm. Avoiding making it worse. Uh, I, I would say as a, as a church leader, um, if Mm -hmm. you have a couple who is really struggling with each other, um, one of the dynamics that may be going on is that um, both of them may have their private secret agenda. Um, Mm. The secret agenda to, to get the, the pastor on my side you know, to be able to say, see, see, this is what I was trying to tell you. He agrees with mm-hmm. me or she agrees with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that, that kind of um, blame dynamic that um, may be going on between a, a couple mm-hmm. who's struggling is, is something that uh, you wouldn't want to feed into in any way. Uh, and so steering the, the conversation um, more toward each person being more self-reflective, you know, being mm. more aware of the fact that if they're pointing the finger and laying blame, they're probably at the same time telling themselves a, a victim story or two mm. um, that is distorting. So, you know, a victim story, when you're holding on to one, it it mm-hmm. acts like a pair of glasses that are wrong right. for you. It's mm. it, it blurs your vision. All, all you end up seeing are are blurry images, and you lose the details and the nuances. Um, so, whatever you can do to 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 help each person see their own role, and mm. to um, recognize the impact of pride. I mean, we all have this struggle between pride and humility, um, but trying to steer them toward uh, humility, and and. I think the other dynamic is is to recognize your limits. You know, I've I've had this conversation before with Carrie, and Carrie says, uh, you know, he would meet with people when they were struggling, but but he says I just have no skills or experience as a counselor, and right. this situation is really serious. And so, yeah, so the complex. best thing he could do was to have a a list of vetted counselors who you have confidence in, two or three people in your community who hopefully are Christians, share, share their faith, you know, would pray for their clients as well. Uh, and have the experience to, and the track record of helping mm-hmm. couple, couples who are struggling. So yeah, uh, I think that's a, an excellent way to help people and to, to also guide them into, uh, into having conversations about forgiveness. You know, mm. if the emotions are hot, this may take a bit of time, but even just planting the seeds that, mm-hmm. you know, it looks to me as if there's a, a wall of grievances, a whole wall of mutual grievances, you know, and pointing the finger isn't going to help, but trying to to get those stories out in the open and communicate with each other in a more meaningful way is what is going to help take you that next step forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I love the kind of practical idea around, again, that's a best practice around, hey, we need to have a list of, of counselors that we can help refer people to. Mm-hmm. And I know in, in my own um, you know pastoral work, I 
kind of set a benchmark in the back of my head. I'll meet with somebody twice around the same issue, but I won't meet with them the third time. Yes. If, if we get to that third and, and, and people have different kind of numbers on what that look, like, oh, I met with five people who want six, but, sure. but the idea of like, Hey, we're looking for a, an opportunity to refer to someone else mm-hmm. because we, we don't, well, that's not our area of, of expertise. I wonder some, you mentioned something. I wonder if we can drill in a little bit uh, more detail on, mm-hmm. I, I I feel this pressure of not getting caught in the middle between mm-hmm. two people. Um, and, and this helped me kind of wrestle through what do I do in that case? Because I think by definition, it's like, um, you know, these, it is, I have felt that pull from both sides <laughs> where it's like, you know, just agree with me. And they don't, they don't actually, people are smarter than that, right? They're, yeah, uh, they're more subtle than that. Yes. Uh, but how do we not get in the middle uh, as a pastor, as a leader, a church leader? Uh, what, what can we do? What kind of practical advice would you give on that front? Practically speaking, it's, it's so important to see yourself as being neutral, and and I think that the best way that you can uh, avoid getting in the middle is by just being intentional about not aligning yourself with one person or the other, because mm. what you're what you're seeing is is just a small portion of the actual dynamics that are going on. And I, I think it's common for you know one partner out of two to be a, a lot more communicative than the other, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to be able maybe to be able to state their case, uh, whereas mm. the other one tends to be more silent, more or or quieter, or needs longer to process and express their thoughts. And so, you know, when you get into the middle of, uh, uh, you know, and being drawn to to one person or the other person's side, so to speak, I think mm. it it has the potential to make the situation blow up, as opposed mm. to helping to de-escalate it. Yes. Um, in, instead, um, helping each person to recognize that they have a role to play in this and, uh, and, and even leading them in this prayer of, uh, Jesus, will you please shine your light on the darkness, you know, whatever it is, whatever, mm-hmm. um, devices of the enemy may be at play. Um, please, illuminate them so that Mm. we can truly see what's going on. And by we, I mean each individual to be able to see what's going on. It's along that idea of focusing people on taking the plank out of their own eye rather than looking for the speck of sawdust in their spouse's eye. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, uh, even that practical insight. I love that around, and you could tell that you've obviously spent a lot of time talking to couples, that idea of like, hey, there's one there's one member of this relationship that may be more verbal than the other. And frankly, mm-hmm. it's easy to get drawn in. I'm, I'm thinking back to past conversations. I've been like, that's absolutely the case, right? That mm-hmm. one person is talking more and I could be drawn in by them. And hey, we under, need to understand our role is to be... Uh, cheering for the relationship, for the marriage, yes. uh, not for one person or the other. That our job yes. is to champion, um, you know, the the marriage, their relationship, and and we want to do what we can to help that restore. Yes. Uh, another aspect that I find myself struggling with is, oh, like um, it's probably struggles the wrong word. I find myself being drawn to in these conversations are frankly the kids in these scenarios that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I it's like my heart. Uh, breaks for kids in the middle of this. And it's like, I just want to give them an extra tight hug when we used to give hugs. Remember that used to happen (laughs) or like an extra high five when we used to give high fives. Um, And, and so how, what's your advice 
for us as we think about serving and protecting the kids that are involved? What can we do to help? Is there, um, you know, how can we be an advocate for kids in these relationships as their, you know, their parents are struggling? Because I sometimes I you can see that even as the parents are just so wrapped up in their own issues, it's like the kids become a secondary or tertiary concern in their brain. Not they don't want that, but it just it's kind of one of the natural consequences of what happens. So, what can we do to serve and protect kids in these environments? Yeah, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head um, by being that person who will be the advocate for the kids. And mm-hmm. I, I can I can tell you from my divorce law experience that um, parents who are really in a bad place with each other in their relationship have such a hard time seeing what's happening from the kids' perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not that they don't love their kids because I've sat with parents who say, you know, I'm just so worried about the impact of our relationship on our kids. And and I can feel the desperation that they need to do something. And and often they're thinking, I, I need to get out of this relationship because I don't want the pain of our relationship to impact my kids. The, the problem is that the impacts are, uh, it, people get blind to them. They can't see them. So if, if you as a pastor can be the, the advocate on behalf of the kids and help them see what they're not seeing, mm. you know, help draw them back to the idea that, um, if they're not divorced, you know, if they're still struggling, but they're in their marriage, um, if, if you can help them to recognize that while their kids are are seeing what's going on between them, whether it's fighting or whether it's, you know, an icy relationship, they've got a cold war going on. The, the kids are along on that rough journey as well. And mm. so I think as a, as a first priority to help encourage the parents to set the idea of leaving the marriage to the side and focus right now on what can I do to bring more kindness and respect into our family space. You know, what what does it take to stop fighting like this in front of the kids? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that might mean that um, a parents need to go to counseling to start to work on how they can be more cooperative with each other, just even in that public family space and try to separate the adult issues from what their kids are experiencing. You know, when people are still together in their marriage, they they actually are more incentivized to work on their relationship with each other. And mm. and what I've seen in my practice is that once people have made the decision to split, and then in most cases, the vast majority of parents who split still have to deal with each other. They right. are going to be co-parenting. They need to go through all the separation negotiations. So- yep having a level of cooperation for the sake of the kids, for their emotional health is still essential. And yet, you know, you get six months away from their decision to separate or a year later and they've hit impasses and they can't deal with each other because the unresolved junk of their relationship is still getting in the way. Mm. We're telling them as family lawyers that you really need to go and get counseling for the sake of your kids. Right. So if you're, if you're going to hit that, point anyway, then you've got even more of an incentive right now at this point in time to go and see what help you can get for your marriage, 
um, for your relationship with each other. And, and the other thing I would mention, Rich, is that sometimes when parents are really struggling with each other, they lose sight of the value that the other parent is bringing in their child's life. Oh, yeah, that's good. get to that point. Right. And because they're feeling, you know, it's a lot of huge emotions at this point, and they're feeling like, I am done with this person. And they just tend to sort of transfer the way they're feeling with the way their child should feel. And it's just simply not true. Their child, you know, your child needs both of you. Mm -hmm. And unless it's an extreme case where, you know, there's somebody severely mentally ill or there's a serious addiction, you know, and in which case kids still need contact. But, but, you know, generally speaking for most of us unhappy couples, um, there's, there's, it's just true that your child needs both of you. And so a a pastor watching those dynamics and um, helping to steer parents to really focus on what is it your kids are experiencing and how can you make peace more of a reality mm. in your home environment, you know, right now, starting today. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's, I love that. And, I, you, you know, I think this idea, which again, it's amazing how many times you end up in these conversations and it it's like, a, I, I appreciate your kind of perspective around, you know, people get in this scenario and, and it is like you begin to forget about how your family hangs together and the fact that you are going to be, even if you get divorced, you're going to be connected with that other person through your mm-hmm. kids for the rest of your kids' lives. That That is, yes. um, and, and so how do we, even on the front end, how do we encourage couples to connect um, even, you know, for the sake of the kids, I'm going to play a little bit of the, the devil's advocate. You're not mm. saying there's that, you know, that idea of like, oh, like we got to stay together for the kids. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying mm. is our relation. Well, you may be saying that, but you know, the, your relationship, <laughs> you've got to wrestle with those, uh, those dynamics. Uh, you've got to think through, Hey, how do we engage with each other? Um, yes. even if we are, even if we are going to end up, uh, divorced, we have to come to some level of peace because we're going to have to co-parent uh, the, these kids, even if we're not married together. How yes. do you articulate that to a, to a family or to maybe one spo- spouse or the other who is who's really resistant to engaging with uh, you know with the other person who's who's at that point where like I just don't want to even talk with that person anymore? How have you encouraged that? What how, how have you kind of been able to communicate that in a way that doesn't sound like you should just stay together for the sake of the kids. How how do you do that? What's that look like? Well, I I think it's helpful to even make a reference to the research. You know, research Mm. shows that children who are exposed to serious ongoing conflict, parental conflict, that that is a a source of childhood trauma. Um, That children who go through a divorce, that is also a source of childhood trauma. And the way that parents can mitigate that trauma is to uh, to be emotionally supportive and create an emotional safe space for their child. So creating that emotional safety means, means supporting each other. You know, it, ideally, it means that you can cooperate with each other to the point where you help each other win as parents, even if you're struggling 
deeply struggling with each other as spouses. Yes. And I'm not saying that this is easy to do, Rich. It's no, not exactly. far yes. from easy. No, I get that. But the the thing is that um, do you really want your kids to suffer, you know, not only in the short term, but the research shows that the, the that traumas are cumulative and uh, over time, it doesn't just disappear. The the impacts of childhood trauma uh, it increased the risk of um, kids growing up to be adults who have physical health problems, emotional health issues um, that will be with them for years to come. And on the flip side, uh, if you can at least cooperate with each other, even to the level of like friendly business associates. Mm. Uh, and if you can support each other so that you can say things like, you know, mommy loves you and daddy loves you and mm. be able to talk about your spouse's uh, good points, you know, and refrain from denigrating them or putting them down. I, you know, I think this atmosphere of kindness and mutual respect and um, recognizing that the other parent has value in your child's life, regardless of what happens with the marriage, is just so, it, it's key for children. Mm -hmm. If you want to mm -hmm. preserve your child's childhood, you need to figure out how to do this. Mm. That's good. I love that. So helpful. Now, I wonder, so pivoting a little bit, a bit of a slightly different conversation, but around this area, um, you know, I know when I've uh, done premarital, premarital counseling, even if it's, even if it's the, like, hey, a couple times we're meeting before someone actually gets married, one of the kind of conversations I end up having with people is, hey, you know, a, a, there is a, a significant percentage of people who end up getting divorced. I used to say 50%, but that's not true anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, that there's a lot, but it's some large percentage of people that end up getting divorced. None of those people on their wedding day think they're going to be that statistic. Right. And so what the patterns that we begin to set early in our marriage are the things that will, uh, you know, kind of lay the, the foundation for, um, you know, where things will end up long-term and no one assumes that, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be the, whether we're setting the wrong foundation, we may end up, um, you know, getting divorced. The, the question I have for you is what would be some healthy kind of conflict resolution, um, you know, kind of habits that you would say, man, if people would just install these into their marriages earlier on, kind of in the preventive medicine side, it's it's more the vitamin rather than the, here's the Tylenol for the pain of we're in this, uh, yes. this hot situation, more yeah. the, what should we be doing on the front end from your perspective? What would be some of those habits that, oh man, if we could just get people to do this, or or maybe it's, you know, that, that kind of thing. What would, you, what would your advice be for us as on the front end of conversations, as we're engaging with people uh, who are just maybe even getting married or earlier on, they're not they're not expressing that hey the you know the house is burning they're like i just smell some smoke things are not great how do we make it better what would be what would be would be your advice on that front well i think you know all the tools and resources that we have now for self awareness and personal mm. growth are are just so key um you know i when i think back to Carrie and i and and the issues that we dealt with over the years, uh, we didn't understand that we had completely different conflict styles. Uh, right. We didn't recognize differences in personality. There just wasn't a lot of conversation or resources out, uh, you know, on, on those things. Uh, we became aware of love language 
love languages partway through our marriage, you know, and that was hugely helpful. But I think pointing people to become better at their own self-awareness, um, the Enneagram, I, I think is a, a really mm-hmm. super helpful tool um, mm-hmm. and, and any ways that they can both become more self-aware, but also more of a student of their spouse. And mm. Giving people the expectation, you know, when they're starting out that you are wired differently, you've come from different backgrounds, you know, there, there may be some, uh, some wounds or baggage that you have for the past that you're not even aware, um, will arise in the future and, you know, mm-hmm. will present themselves in various ways. Like my experience is that when, when people have been exposed to childhood trauma, and, and I'll say this personally, you know, my own trauma didn't really start to manifest itself so that I could recognize clues that, oh, something's here until I was mm. around 32. Mm-hmm. So when I was married, it wasn't even on my radar screen. And I, I think this right. happens with couples that, um, right. you know, there may be trauma and the effects of trauma that you're unaware of. And you, you most likely do have totally different wiring. And it's so helpful if you can become a student of your spouse and don't expect that they're going to be the same, you know, that they're going to mm. have the same expectations. So setting the groundwork for open and honest communication um, and recognizing that where, you know, where your emotions are all of a sudden provoked, if there's a hot button issue, then there's probably something underneath it. Or I like mm. how Lisa Turkhurst puts it. She says, if it's hysterical, then it's historical. Oh, if yeah. That's find good. yourself that. being triggered over something. Take it as a clue. And, and don't panic and think that, oh, this is terrible because now I've had this big emotional blowout and, you know, we're going down a bad path. No, just take that as a clue and then try to further your self-awareness and your even your spiritual growth to figure out what's underneath that. Mm. Oh, that's so good. I love that. You know, I know in my own marriage that one of the kind of ongoing, it's kind of a joke, but it's true that I, you know, I keep saying, um, Christine's my wife for folks that may not know that. Um, I often say like, you know, Christine is this great mystery that I'm still unraveling. (laughs) Like I'm still trying to (laughs) understand in a real positive way, right? Like there's this like, oh, I I don't, you know, even after almost 25 years, I'm like, there's still stuff there I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. That's a part of it. And and then you yes. add on top of that, like you say, we're changing and growing as people, right? We're different than we were 25 years ago. And Absolutely. so, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing rather than, you know, this kind of, you know, this static, this person is exactly the same. Um, <laughs> you know, you probably don't actually don't want that. That's probably not that interesting yes. uh, of, you know, of a life. Well, you've actually written a book that I, I want to talk to people a little bit about. It's called, I love the title, uh, Before You Split. And then the subtitle is Find What You Really Want for the Future of Your Marriage. Uh, why did you write this book? What this is, a, this is a fantastic book, but what was it that kind of drove you to say, hey, I'd really love to put these, these thoughts together? Well, there was my, my practice and what I'd seen in my practice. And uh, together with that, Carrie and I went through our rough season and uh, it did take us a while to get out of it. But I can say that we went from that bad to this good. And so I wanted people to understand not only their options, if they're really struggling, you know, I could see from my divorce attorney perspective, some things that people may not see when 
when they're not in, in that profession. So I wanted to combine a clearer view of what your options actually are with some of our experience in, you know, what are the pitfalls and what are the potential solutions so I've, I really felt this uh, that I needed to write this book because I did have a couple of clients who came back to me at the end of the day. And I remember one in particular was uh, a man who um, had been married several years. He had three kids. And we went through the whole separation process and negotiated his agreement. And when it was finally signed, he came back to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, if I'd only known then what I know now, I would have worked harder to save my marriage. Hmm. Oh, and that wow. was uh, that for me was the moment where I thought, oh, I think there's some things that people need to know. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's touching that, you know, you, you wonder, I don't, I was actually thinking earlier in the conversation, you know, I, I don't know that I've in any, any of the people that I've interacted with over 20 years of ministry that I've, I've known anyone who's went through divorced and then it's been, you know, they've ended up getting back together eventually. You hear that that theoretically happens, but mm. I have heard a lot of people who have expressed that same kind of like, man, I just, I, I almost a sense, they wouldn't actually say it this way, but almost a sense of like, I think we could have recovered that. Like, I think, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think, um, but it's, but so much damage has gone under the bridge now um, that it, you know, it's, it feels right. like it's, you know, and, and so I, I love this. I think this is, it would be a fantastic book for church leaders to pick up, to have as a, as a tool, the kind of thing that, you know, I think we end up engaged in conversations with people er, early on. Sometimes I find myself, you know, my standard advice, we were joking about this ahead of time. I feel like I'm always saying to people like, don't rush, like, don't, yes. like, it, it, this is too important for you to just jump, you know, to, um, you know, to just make this leap, like slow down. And I feel like this book could go really well with that, with that exact moment in conversation with someone to say, Hey, here's a book I'd love for you to pick up. And, and before you make this conversation, uh, you know, pick up a copy of this. Is that kind of how you pictured, where do you picture this fitting into, you know, to our conversations as we're pastoring people, as we're leading people, how do you think it would best fit as, how could it best help us as we engage with folks who are are struggling in their marriages? Well, it, just as you um, alluded to, Rich, it really is a book that is aimed at the couple who is in that serious place of struggle where they're wondering what they should do. You know, should I stay or should I go? And so uh, I do believe that it, it speaks um, to that person. And having said that, I've, I have written this book from a um, quite a general audience um, mm -hmm. perspective yep. in that I do talk about my own personal testimony and how faith helped Carrie and I through our struggle. Um, but it's not a deep dive into faith. I've really meant it to be a book that would be helpful to anyone of any faith. Yeah. So it, um, it would be helpful for, um, for pastors in the sense that it walks people through the issues that really trip people up. You know, mm -hmm. the, baggage from the past, expectations, emotional intelligence, peacemaking, protecting your kids, forgiveness. You know, we go through all of those areas so that people can be more aware of some solutions. If it, whatever their problem point is, it may head them in a direction of healing. Uh, and, and in addition to that, it's helpful for a Christian who has a friend who's really struggling with mm, their marriage so because, yep. uh, like I said, I've, I, I, I leave 
space for whatever faith people are following, or if they don't have a faith, that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, there's, there is something for you to learn from what the, the solutions are in this book. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say though. Yeah, it's super gracious. I, I would, I would echo that for folks that are listening in. It's, it's a gracious book for you to hand to anyone. It's, it's, um, it, it is, it, you talk about your own personal faith, but it, and it leaves lots of space for that and points towards that. Um, but it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's just super helpful. I also think it's interesting, you know, I, I don't want to just blow past it. There are people who are probably listening into today's podcast who are serving in a church who are struggling in their own marriage that they would say like, Hey, this is, you know, we're, as you said, we, you know, you've gone through a troubled season. That's the same in my marriage. We've, you know, we have times that I would say, you know, things are great. And sometimes where things aren't great. And the thing I love mm-hmm. about this book is it does give, you know, Carrie talks for a living. He's a professional <laughs> communicator. We've yeah. all heard, or if you follow him, you've heard his side of the story. Um, this gives you, you know, rounds out that picture. I think in a really healthy way, it gives a like, hey, here's here's what that looks like, and here's you know a bit of our conversation and and um, you know what that has looked like, which could be encouraging for folks who are listening in today. Um, would say, hey, you know that that could be a great you know book to pick up. So if people want to grab a copy of this, where do we want to send them uh, to pick up a copy for themselves? And then to have a few on their shelf for when those conversations come, because you don't at that point want to say, go to Amazon, but where do we want to pick these up uh, so we can have them for people uh, to be able to give them as gifts and that sort of thing? Right. It's available through all the normal outlets. So Amazon, Goodreads, uh, Barnes and Noble. And um, if anyone wants to find me, I'm at TonyNewhoff.com. It's Tony with an I. And uh, it may be easier to find me if you look up before you split. <laughs> A little That's easier to spell than our last name. <laughs> nice. I, well, that, I love Tony Newhouse. That's a great name from, and I've joked with Carrie about that. It's a great name from a, it's like built from an SEO point of view. It's like, there are not a lot of Newhoffs out there. So, you know, if you, even if you kind of botch it one way or another, you generally will end up back in the right spot. So I want to encourage people to pick up a copy. Like I said, I think this is a great book for you to have for yourself to read, but then also to be able to inject into that conversation as you end up, um, you know, wrestling with this. You also have a podcast I'd love to tell people about. We're obviously on a podcast. Can you tell us about the Smart Family Podcast? I love this podcast. I think it's fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. Yeah, we, uh, well, by we, Rob Meter is a local politician, or sorry, not politician, <laughs> pediatrician. Pediatrician. <laughs> Different. Sorry, it's another P word. on my mind these days. <laughs> yeah, we all do. <laughs> but yes, sure. um, he's a pediatrician who worked with a lot of families. He helps a lot of parents um, through the, you know, illnesses and conditions uh, of their children. And I've worked with a lot of uh, parents going through separations. And we thought if we combine forces and uh, interview some people who are experts in different areas of parenting and marriage, we could just help equip parents to have a smoother time at home. And, and we actually like to say that we help people love being home. Mm, love it. So good. Yeah, it's a great podcast. And I love it's a... Uh... And I don't know, what would you say? Analytical, scientific, clinical approach to family stuff, which is an interesting, uh, uh, like, it's just a different 
it's a different way to talk about the issues that we end up wrestling with as pastors. And so I would encourage people to listen to it. I think it's a great podcast, a super helpful resource, which again, it's attacking the same issues from a slightly different lens, but can be, can just be so further our understanding and help us as we engage with, uh, with families. Well, Tony, I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for, uh, for all you're doing and just excited for your launch. And uh, just hope that lots of people pick up your book and that you'll get a chance to help so many more. So thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Rich. I just love being in this conversation and thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>